And then for women entrepreneurs, it's finding other women. Find other women. And if you're listening to this and you're a woman entrepreneur and you don't know any, please contact me. <laughs> because that's such a, or, and then just in general, having other founders that you trust that you could talk to about, you know, your shitty days and who can relate in some way, shape or form. Because what we do is, is very like, different from, from most people in my life anyway, mm -hmm. out of my friends and out of my family. There's not a lot of entrepreneurs, so. Welcome to the Performance Mindset Podcast. And I'm your host, Amy Calandrino, CEO of Beyond Commercial. After a decade of providing expert commercial real estate advice and consultation to the business owners and investors I serve, I wanted to share some of the most inspiring and influential leaders I've met along the way. The goal of this podcast is to share valuable insights from these impactful individuals, as well as business and commercial real estate trends. If you want to grow, you're tuning into the right show. Hey, it's Amy Calandrino. I'm coming back to you with another episode of the Performance Mindset Podcast. For those of you who know me know I've been doing this for over a decade, helping commercial real estate business owners and investors. And in this podcast, I bring some of the most inspiring and influential leaders I've met along the way. I hope that we can share some valuable insights and help you grow. So if you're looking to grow, you're tuning into the right show. Today, I'm excited to have Marissa Limshako on the show today. She's a four-time founder, combat veteran, graduate of West Point. She's also president and co-founder of Oatso and has been named one of the most influential women in commercial real estate. She is an accomplished entrepreneur and has the opportunity to lead successful teams all over the world, including when she served in Iraq. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's awesome. So we first met at the CREI Summit. For those of you not knowing what that is, can you share with us a little bit more about it? Yeah, CREI Summit was started by Ken Ashley with the intent to bring not only all the influencers in social media, since that became so big during COVID, there was like this community that was built out of it, but also really it's to bring those people together and to help others in the industry grow their own personal brands or even business brands via social media. So it's, it's become this really fun gathering. Um, and one of my favorite conferences of the year, frankly, I dig it and I can't wait to find out where next year's is going to be. Has that been released publicly? It hasn't. No. Okay. I'm, I'm Do you eager know as well. what it is I, and you're keeping I don't. it a secret? I don't you know. Don't? Yeah. No. I, I actually, I'll text Ken after this. I'll have to ask him if they've figured that out. But I, to my knowledge, I'm not sure. Wow. Yeah. So anyone in commercial real estate, go to CREISummit.com to learn a bit more about it. And it has four different influencer lists, you know, top women in commercial real estate, top Instagram, top Twitter and top LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. I know they, they have influencers for, for every platform, but it's really more so just, just like this fun environment where, where everyone wants to learn. And there's, there's course, there's courses, there's workshop, there's influencers like Carrie Bob on stage, you know, talking about Hello Jenny um, and how to boost, you know, leasing efforts through Instagram. 
And so there's there's so much good content and amazing and make some amazing connections, such as we did at the conference this year is where we yes. met. Yes. Well, tell us about your entrepreneur journey and like what companies you've been involved with and where you're at now and what do they do? Yeah. I think if you would have told me 10, 12 years ago when I got out of the military that I'd be an entrepreneur, uh, I, I would have just kind of given you... I have no idea what you're talking about because I didn't have any entrepreneurs in my family um, or anything. But what I did know is I love to solve problems and I like to create things. And so that really started right out of business school. I went to business school full time for two years after the military and kind of incubated this business idea that I brought to life when I graduated and that first business was a services company. I, I had a group of developers and we basically built out software applications for folks that wanted to start a business. Or, and this was in Austin, by the way. So there was no shortage of ideas or business, <laughs> business there at yeah. the time. And so I did that for a few years and was able to ex- exit from that and because real- I realized I wanted to do a product company. And so... I jumped into helping one start, but then I realized I, I needed a reset. So took a couple of years off. And then Josh, my now co-founder, approached me in 2015 when I wasn't sure if I ever wanted to do a startup again at that point and convinced me to, to come back to come back in the game. And so the other three was a, a commercial real estate consultant firm out of New York City. That was pretty brief, but it was it was a good lessons learned in, in real estate in, in New York City, which is different than most places. And then we had a company called Tenevox and then now we have Oatso. So you've been in Austin, New York, and now you're here again I'm in Orlando. Orlando. Yeah. And, and shame on us. We haven't gotten together yet. Since I know the that's total so. fail. But I mean, a hurricane came through. There's been some stuff going on. So, <laughs> Hurricane Ian, uh, my son said to me, he's like, I'm mad at Ian. I'm like, why? And he's like, he took my power away. So. Oh, did y'all lose power for a bit? Five days. Oh, that's t- so we didn't lose but, any power. We got really lucky. Yeah. But, you know, we have a bathtub. So yeah. some other people's houses, like not even to be like cute about it. I mean, like there was out houses that washed out to the ocean. Uh-huh. So yeah. like it's super, super the, grateful for that. Yeah. It's the devastation in Southwest is like, it's, it's going to take a long time to, to recover from, but yeah, you've been to Orlando and you now have survived your first My like first hurricane, hurricane which have. was still a hurricane when it got to Orlando. It was. Yeah. Really, really grateful. We turned out. Okay. <laughs> What do you consider to be your greatest accomplishment? Because you've done so many different things. Yeah, I think um, if you would have told me like three years ago, it would have been, you know, maybe one of the things on my resume. But I think over the years, and I spoke to my grandfather, who was 85 years old at the time, he was on his deathbed. And he just, it's something he said was just like, really, he's like, I know you're a really, really busy person, but he remember when you're at my age, think about what matters like the most at this, at this point. And it made me really look a lot inward as to, you know, what, what I want to do with life, what, you know, what my, my priorities were. And, and I remember reading this question last night and thinking, I'm I'm just going to be real with Amy. And so (laughs) I think for me, my greatest accomplishment is like, I look at my career and it's been the people I've impacted, whether that be 
the, the Patriot League conference win when I was 22 years old, you know, winning the last match and, and being able to share that victory with my team because it was a team effort. I won that for the team. Or when I was in the military, having a soldier's wife come to me and just be so grateful for how, you know, I helped their family with the decision I made. Or with Otso, with just the tenants and the landlords that, you know, we help. To me, now I kind of like look at it from a lens of, you know, when I'm 80 years old, what am I going to care about? And as a whole, I think that's, and you know, I wouldn't say it's like, it's, it's just like a growing number, I hope. <laughs> But I'd say that that's what I value the most at this point. Well, my best friend and I joke around sometimes that we hope to be 80 years old drinking, you know, vodka on the rocks and blowing spitball at the kids walking by as we're sitting on like the front porch. Um, I guess she has in her mind that we will like have a cohabitation type of like thing going on by then. And so, but I think it really is the people. Like, I think all the things that you're talking about is about the people and not the things and I I think it is so important. I think when I got back from the CREI summit, it was one of the most like authentic experiences I have had. And there were a lot of things that were keeping me really, really busy. And I actually made some strategic like adjustments to, to my life, like since coming back and, and really thought about some things. And so, and I know your mentor that one of your mentors, and we'll talk, maybe talk about him a little bit later. Um, his book helped me, you know, tremendously yeah. with making some changes. So I think all these things come together. You know, I'm just a, I'm just on this journey like everybody else is. So. Same, a to- totally, totally. And I think I found as I got, get older, the more I realize in the times where I'm like most stressed, or you know, and especially an entrepreneur journey, it's it's not a journey; it's a roller coaster, right? So you got weeks. <laughs> You would have talked to me last week. I would have been like, good gosh, like this, things are tough. And then like this week, just things are great. You know, it's, it's just kind of the cycle of, of this, you know, of this world. But I think it's just, there's so much from, especially when you have technology that we have, there's like so much focused outward on whether it be social media or like what other people think of you or what society expects of you versus just being like, one and and kind of within and in touch with yourself inside and that's kind of like a check and I do that through meditation but I mean it, there's days where it's really really tough to do those get and get through those meditations <laughs> but yeah I think that's that's one of my my kind of like lessons is kind of like making sure I'm grounded internally and like doing a check of like where do I feel I am and, and what's it everything is like everything you do is kind of caused by something right out on the outside. You don't realize when you think about it, you're like, Oh, I need to kind of like come back to myself in that way. Yeah. Sometimes we go through these ups and downs and I was given this advice last week. I think mental health is really important. I have a standing appointment with a psychologist once a month and I probably would not have told people that two years ago, but now I'm like, okay, it's fine. But she talked about like, sometimes I think we are all our worst critic and we want to be further along in our journey than we are. And she said, what would your 15 year old self think of, you know, where you are? So actually I, you know, I feel pretty, she'd be like, wow, she's a badass. Yeah. You know, like what, what do you think that your 15 year old self would think? Yeah, I same. And I love that. And I love that you brought up that you work with a psychologist or therapist because same. I in fact, when you asked who my mentors were, I listed my therapist as one of them. <laughs> Such an influence on my life. And I think 
mental health is, is so important. And I remember like talking to some of the women in our industry and, you know, they, they make assumptions because they looked at your resume and I'm like, no man, like I've had some like breakdowns in life. You know, I dealt with some trauma and PTSD and I have, you know, anxiety. And I found that I am one of those people that I'm a high performance anxiety person. So a lot of my accomplishments, I feel like earlier in my life were all driven by fear. <laughs> and in the last three or four years, I've like tried to kind of like tweak that because that's not healthy right. to go about life. Like getting, right. here's a good thing, right? It's, it's not a bad thing. It can be a very, it can be utilized well, but kind of surrounding everything that you do around that is, is not healthy as well. <laughs> Is it interesting though, uh, the further and further you get and change yourself, the more comfortable it's uncomfortable at first, but then you become more comfortable with the change in like cadence, like the cadence of my life before I think was a bit like chaotic. And now I'm still like anyone who meets me, I'm very like zany and I'm very like fast paced and I'm very, very like go, go, go. But I've gotten like more comfortable with my new like identity. Like, how do you feel like you've been? Oh, I just turned 40 a couple of weeks ago and I did a lot of reflecting. Happy on birthday. Thank you. Thank you. But I, I feel, and I talk, I talk to most women, I feel like as we get older, as you get older in general, you just stop caring about what other people think. So I could totally, you know, relate to that as far as focusing on and being more confident in general in myself and not, not doubting myself. I mean, there is still that that comes up. But just I, I and I, I for me personally, I feel like it is like connecting with and being close with other women in our industry, such as yourself, has been such the game changer for me in empowering, being empowered and just having those having those like outlets, cheerleaders, your 2 a.m. calls when things are tough because we're all going kind of through the same thing. Yeah. And I didn't realize how alone I was and, and how many like weeks or months would go by without talking to a single woman on a sales call or any call wow. would go for me um, personally before, you know, I kind of, I've kind of found, found a group that you know, I've become dear friends with. Yes. And I have now joined the group. It's been yeah. amazing. So do you want to talk? Oh, well, yeah. How about you talk a little bit about that group before we talk about anything else? Yeah. yeah. I mean, by all means, there's nothing formalized about this group just yet. We're working to do that. But it really started uh, back in 2020, where I was just like, again, I realized I'm like, I don't know any women. I know maybe like no two women in the industry-ish. And I, I wanted to selfishly just kind of like, learn and, and just connect with more women. And obviously in isolation during COVID, that was like needed more than anything too. And so we put together this most influential women's list and we researched like, you know, all the women like doing things. And it wasn't like, how many deals are you doing? It's like, what are you doing yeah. for the community? What are you doing for other women? How is your social presence? And so we chose like 25 women and I was just like, okay, this is a great excuse for me to meet with all of them in a call. And fast forward two and a half years later, and we're meeting every month. <laughs> and, you know, from that list has evolved just kind of like this totally separate organic group of women and, just, you know, others such as yourself have joined that, you know, we meet every month and we come every, the difference is, is like we come with a deliberate ask. So there's, it's action, very action oriented meetups 
where, you know, fast forward two years and we've done deals together. We made each other money. You know, we put each other on stages around the country, you know, for conferences. It's this, it's this beautiful thing that's like, you know, come together. And it's mainly focused on, you know, working around women founders, women managing directors, a lot of our mm-hmm. conversations around management and whatnot. So it's a really special group and, and I'm, I'm super, you know, proud of where it is and excited to, to where we're going. Will you tell us the name of the secret society? It's the Power Beacons. <laughs> and it's awesome. I, I thought that was a great, great name. Was it like a group decision? To it come was. Up with the name? It was. We did a meetup in Austin <clears throat> and it, on International Women's Day, which we'll do again this year. And it, we did like just like a huddle. And we were like, what do we want to represent? And one of the gals said something to the extent of, we want to be beacons, like a lighthouse that guides mm. the ships in. And so we're like, we want to be beacons for other women in our industry. And so that's kind of how we put power in front of it. Bam. It's, Damn. it's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. It is amazing. Oh, yeah. Such a powerful group of, of women. It's amazing. So you've been vocal about the need for more diversity, equity, and inclusion within the commercial real estate field. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, it just goes back. I've been in the industry almost a decade and not until about two and a half years ago, did I finally like find more than like two women that I consistently talk to. (laughs) And I think, you know, especially, you know, especially in in the transactional side, such as yourself, like being a broker and and starting off, you're just surrounded in like a bullpen of men, like, like constantly. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that in the value that diversity brings to bringing in different perspectives, more innovative ideas come in. And so I feel that, you know, growing that movement and, and becoming more diverse, bringing in different perspectives will make our industry stronger. I mean, I know there are, you know, compared to 10 years ago, it is, it's different. There's, there's progress, but it's still, I forgot Barbie Ruder's put the other day, like what the percentage is, it's still rather low, <laughs> the percentage right. of, of women. And I know that recruiting women into our industry, I can't tell you how many women I've met that was like, oh, I tried it and I went to residential or I tried it and it was just, you know, not for me. And you think about it because they're going into these firms that are all led by men, uh, like the CBREs and started and mostly men. Whereas I think what we're building with the power beacons and forming a group of women, such as yourself, women owned brokerages, there's a ton of women starting to see, I, I need to just build the table for myself. And I feel mm-hmm. that, you know, more women starting their own tables and, you know, you're a gal coming out of, out of college and you're like, Oh, look at this. They're making some good. I mean, this person's making some good money. I could see where this can lead to. And she has, uh, you know, a ton of women that work with her. This could be a great environment for me. And that difference, you know, from kind of like the status quo or, or where people traditionally end up. And not that it's not bad because there's a lot of women, I'm sure such as yourself, that went that route and were still successful and are right. still and are still there and are still doing great. But I think from a standpoint of do we want want more women, I think we need to have more women leaders. We need to have more women owners. Right. And I think having, for me, that supported structure, when I went to, that was a big thing when I went to CREI versus, you know, some other groups that I go to, I think it can be a lot more male leaders and such going to those groups. I think at CREI, there just are so many people like Daily and 
And otherwise, there was a ton of women on stage. Yeah, (laughs) there was. And that I loved the SIOR president, Patrick Sumner went on stage and he was like, this is, this is definitely refreshing to see that as a white man, who he is, I'm not, you know, I see very, very different people in the crowd. And that was, that was super, I think, special and a testament to, to the value of CREI for sure. And I mean, I'm not just talking about women, even I'm talking like people of color, you know, there's still a big disparity um, and gap with that as well in our industry. Yeah, I think just bringing the awareness and being around other people to effectuate that change really can make a difference. For sure. Absolutely. So how about your service in the military? How has that helped you to grow as an entrepreneur? Oh, goodness. Yeah. I mean, that was very, very foundational skill set that, I mean, I think from a leadership standpoint, building teams, you know, that was what I was trained from the age of 18. And I didn't realize when I got out of the military that that's a skill set not everybody has or is taught in the, even in like their mid-20s. And so, I mean, I was in charge of over 80 people in my early 20s. So like having that experience and understanding what it takes to not only have an idea, but to ex- to build a team to execute on I- that idea and scale has been super, super helpful and I think too, from it's given me perspective because being an entrepreneur is tough. I've been doing this seven years now, just about, and seven years straight. So if you add the other, so it's about 10 years total that I've been an entrepreneur. And I think and there's some really, really tough times. Um, and there's tough times from a standpoint of funding um, years ago. And I remember yeah. at those times, you know, I always kind of brought back like my military perspective because at the end of the day, I'm like, this sucks. My day sucks. There's a lot that sucks right now. But at the end of the day, I have to remind myself I'm not getting shot at in Iraq. <laughs> it's not that bad. And, and I think going through those experiences, you know, really, I think in some ways, really kind of everyone comes out of situations differently. And I, but I think for me personally, that is kind of like the reason I kind of in my parents' eyes, YOLO, YOLO my way through my 30s in some ways, <laughs> you know, starting companies and not doing that as much like the traditional, you know, route of things is, is maybe having that perspective as well. Yeah. But I'd say YOLO. as far as like, <laughs> I, yeah. And I think as far as one of like the biggest lessons to my success, you know, that I've gathered over the years and, and why I've been able to kind of get over hump over hump. And I think it's really, and going back to Doc Z and, and my mentor from college is, is focus is my ability mm-hmm. to focus and grit and, and not giving up that has to do with like focus. When I'm like focused on something, sometimes my wife is just like, Oh my gosh. Like if it's not like a healthy thing to focus on, <laughs> for example, if it's like playing bejeweled on your phone, like I could just get like so sucked into things. If I'm really, yeah. really interested in something, like I just, I put everything into it, but it's also just like that practice and that discipline of every day. This is like, this is what I'm going to focus on. And, and that mindset, I think I attribute that, you know, the most to, to my success and really from a standpoint of even kind of diving deeper, going through hard, hard situations and having the right perspective as you're going through it, i.e. sometimes in entrepreneurship, for example, I'll say, hey, what, what, what sucks right now is what makes the other side so special. 
you know, I was driving That's for true. when I was driving, I had to drive Lyft one for a couple, one year. Cause we had no funding and, but I still believed in what we were doing and I didn't want to get jobs. So I was like, I need to make some ends meet. My wife didn't have her private practice at the time. So I needed to kind of pitch in. And so I drove Lyft for, for a little bit. And I remember like, this sucks. <laughs> like, I mean, but at the end of the day, I kind of did enjoy it. Cause I like talking to people. So that was, that was fine. But I just remember being like, you know what, one day you're going to be on the other side and you're going to be able to tell the story and you're going to inspire some people. That's what you're doing today, you know? And I think yeah. having like those types of outlooks and optimism as you're going through kind of like shitty moments <laughs> and that focus on that is, is extremely important. Yeah. I think the the mindset is, is so important in being able to reset and use perspective. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about with, with mindset and perhaps um, your mentor, Dr. Z? Yeah. I mean, I, I have it on my wall still. When I was since 18 years old, when I started working with him, he, I didn't know what they were called at the time, but uh, he'd give each, he'd give each of his, the, the people he worked with, we would get these pictures of ourselves and then affirmations around, around yes. the picture. And we put it on our desk. And um, over the years, I kind of picked up this habit again, about five years ago. And it's, it's, great. Cause this is when I'm feeling crappy, I look up and I'm like, Oh, like there I am like a picture. You can't see it, but it's like a picture of myself, like on stage. So it's like a moment that I felt good, really, really good. And then like all my affirmations and then a reminder, I actually had my, my big 10, like my big 10, kind of like accomplishments yes. on the other side. So it's just a great, I don't know, back to his book, that, that importance of, of, putting in good deposits of thoughts yes. um, in your mind is, is so important and being aware when, when they're not good deposits, like the negative thoughts creep in. I made a new affirmation that yes, I am going, I will arrive at the gym by 8 30 AM five days a week, ready to push myself. And I have done that two times this week and I knew I wasn't going to go today. Like, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it, I like it. And, and then it's like when you have it come to fruition, it's really cool. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then every day I recommend, I use what's called a Panda planner and it's okay. a game changer for me. This was, I started this three years ago and every day I start, it makes you kind of journal. What are you grateful for? Three things you're grateful for, three things you're excited about. And then every, at the end of every day, like, what did I win? What was my win and what was my improve? And you know, you have like your priorities like every day. And especially as an entrepreneur, you've just got like so much stuff going on that like, this was, this is also kind of like a great tool for me to be like, okay, like what are, is the, if nothing else happens today, what would make me feel good at the end of the day? If I were to just finish this one thing or two things. Um, and it just kind of makes life a little bit less overwhelming at times. So um, that's a big recommendation I have for folks is the Panda Planner. I will have to look into it. Is it a written planner? Yeah. Yeah. You can just yeah. buy it on Amazon. I'll send you the link after this. Cool. What advice would you give to other aspiring entrepreneurs in general, or maybe to women entrepreneurs? Yeah. Um, I think just in general, if you can't find yourself waking up every day to do what you're doing or what you're building, if you don't have that passion and no matter what, like still, like if some things go wrong, you're not able to wake up, then don't do it. <laughs> if it's not, if you're not that passionate about it, because I have seen entrepreneurs put like half a leg in, half a leg out. And that's, 
that's yeah. Not, I mean, and it can work for some people, but you got to have that passion. Um, I think surrounding yourself with people that are smarter than you. Um, and that was like a little bit tough for me, not, not tough from a standpoint of being with smarter people, but for me, it was more so identifying what, what my kind of gaps were earlier on. Cause like from the military, I came from, and not that we're all exactly alike, but we're all trained exactly the same. We're kind of similar. We have like, you know, similar experiences and I'm yeah. not comparing myself to like other soldiers. Right. You know, we have kind of like the same skill sets, um, in general ass- assumption there, but like, not everyone's like that, but like, for the most part, I came from this world where a lot of us were the same and then leaving the military and realizing, Oh, there's a lot of shit. I don't know. And, <laughs> and being like, what, and not, not only that, not knowing what, knowing what I don't know, but like knowing what I'm not good at and what I don't enjoy or not actually, it's more importantly, what I don't enjoy doing. Cause there are things, some things I'm good at that I don't enjoy doing. <laughs> and especially as an entrepreneur, it's so important and you're not always going to, you know, have the ability to like not work on things that you don't like doing. There's always those tasks, but in general, like my business partner and I, like over the years, every year we'll just do this kind of like accountability. It's like, how do you feel? Like I was CEO in the beginning. And then like one day I woke up and I'm like, I don't want to deal with fundraising. I mean, I don't, I, I'm helping, but I don't want to lead and be responsible for this anymore. I want to execute more in the business. I want to do sales. I want to do, and we're, he was just, and I, you know, I knew at that point he was ready to be CEO and, you know, he, and so we were just like, whoop, switch, you know, like, and, right. and it was, it was like a weight off both our shoulders and we didn't even realize it. And so I think just being mindful, mindful of that and your energy around that. And then for women entrepreneurs, it's finding other women, find other women. And if you're listening to this, you're a woman entrepreneur, and you don't know any, please contact me <laughs> because that's such a, or, and then just in general, having other founders that you trust that you could talk to about, you know, your shitty days and who can relate in some way, shape or form, because what we do is, is very like, different from, from most people in my life anyway, mm-hmm. out of my friends and out of my family, there's not a lot of entrepreneurs. So yeah, not definitely not in my life. I, I didn't have that role model in my life until I started dating my boyfriend and his mom was an entrepreneur several mm-hmm. times. And uh, we clicked. I said, if things don't work out with your son, like you're kind of stuck with me now because she was such a great role model. <laughs> So I still talk to her every day and she gives me so much advice on my, on just like how to manage everything. And she's delightful. So that's that's amazing. I think, I I think, you know, no matter who it is, it's like to surround yourself with, with other people that can mentor you and be willing to, to take that. It's, it's key. You talked a little bit about Dr. Doc Z's book. Do you have any other books or that have inspired you? Untethered Soul. That's a good, like, kind of like self-help book. I'm a big self-help Un- person. Untethered or unfettered? Uh, untethered. Untethered soul. Untethered. There's a journal that goes with it. I, th- I did that over COVID and thought it was just, it was incredible. Like definitely different perspectives out of that one. Grit by Angela Duckworth is another one. I love, I love that book. And The Way of Integrity is one I read like a couple of weeks ago that I couldn't put down by Martha Beck. So those are, those are my kind of like, we will have to include links to those books and the Panda Planner and all the yeah, things. Like absolutely. This. So, 
So looking back, is there anything that you would ever do what you would have done differently? I think from a standpoint of if, if, I mean, I think everything you learn, you make mistakes for a reason and it's part of the journey of life and, you know, surrendering to that is important. But I think also from my perspective, it's just like the one thing I would maybe do differently is prioritizing the things that value like over, like I prioritize my work and looking back, I remember missing weddings, you know, funerals, just quality time with my grandparents or quality time with family members or friends and passing it up because I got like, I have a board call or I have this, or I had this. And frankly, I don't even remember, you know, like at this point, like some of those, and and, the, and yeah. that's, you know, at the end of the day, life is a sum up of moments. And that's something that you can't get back. And not that like, but I think, I mean, and so like moving forward, I do, I mean, there are, there are th- priorities with the business that, that will come over, you know, it's, it's not a even balance all the time, realistically, <clears throat> but if I can help it, you know, I'm going to prioritize that wedding. I'm going to try to, I'm going to figure out how to make it happen, especially with remote work, you know, these days. But yeah. I think that would be the one thing if, if I were to do something like differently. And what's crazy is like nobody, I didn't have a boss or anything that was like holding a gun to my head. Like, Hey, you can't go on this vacation or you can't do this. You know, you can't go to this event. It was all me. (laughs) Yeah. And it was, you know, you, I dug deep, digging deeper. It was fear around expectations of what other people thought of me. It was fear, you know, all of that stuff that I'm supposedly grown up out of at this point. We'll see. But yeah, no, I think that would be the one thing I could think of. Yeah. Also, I think it's helpful that you are surrounded by people that can can accept those things. But although you were saying that it had nothing to do with the clients or or anyone else, you like wanted to keep doing everything you could to like grow these different businesses, even at the sacrifice of yeah. your personal life. I think maybe it's just a journey of getting more balance. As I it think it's along. a journey of balance. I also think and, and like really thinking about it, like looking busy makes in our, in our society and our culture makes people feel more important, you know, and, and maybe more like seen. And I think like, especially in my early thirties, there's a lot of insecurity because all the people around me had very secure jobs and like, and here I was like bootstrapping companies. And so I think there is an insecurity within me, if I'm completely ah. honest with myself to be like, I need to show that I've got, you know, I've got stuff going on too. And I don't know that I would have admitted that a couple of years ago, but I think that's, that's part of it as well. I'm trying to now that I will be in entering 40 soon too. I think that there's a, I was told by one of my favorite mentors is like in the forties, you're supposed to be just kind of like a duck going across the water. Even if you're like this, like underneath, like, like, you know, like just gliding across the water. I think it's better. Like, I mean, you've already kind of proven yourself. I think the good thing is too, I think you had to kind of put some of the work in, but maybe not all of it. Yeah. To prove your cred. And now, now you can not really like rest on your laurels, but more so, I I mean, I don't know, enjoy the fruits of your labor. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, it was a privilege to be where I was at points and it's, I I still, you know, have like privilege today that I'm grateful for, but, but yeah, absolutely. But I don't think it, I mean, from a standpoint of like, it like never ends like this journey of like ups and downs and whatnot. But I think, yeah, in your forties or in my forties so far, it is that kind of what, what are you pro- focused and prioritized on? Cause I think about what you said earlier, it's like proving to who 
proving to myself, proving to my dad, proving, yeah. you know, after a while I was like, who am I proving this to? <laughs> to right. show society? And so I can get somebody else on my resume so that I can have something, you know, feel more valued and seen. A lot of that, I realized it was work I needed to do within myself, but, but yeah, no, it, it, it's just ups and downs and it's a journey. Nonetheless, I think like the key term maybe is surrender is you realize in your forties too. Yeah. <laughs> you surrender. And then, you know, you're going to figure it out and make it through one way or another. Well, I hope to inspire the new set of generation, the, the others coming in, especially women that, you know, it is important to, to rely on others, you know, more being involved can hopefully make things easier so that you can have some balance. I know that was something that helped me in my career surrounding myself with good mentors to get that information, make things easier. Many hands make light work, you know? Yeah. And then just teaching people to like, kind of go after those things. But I mean, there is, I think no matter what, I think there's a phase in your twenties and thirties that you, you got to put that, got to put that work in, in. you know, but but then, you know, to the extent that you can have balance, I think it's good to have balance. So I think sure. COVID has been a good thing in that respect. Yeah. I mean, we had to make some lemonade out of that situation for sure. And and I'm like, I've talked about this before um, and blogged about it, but like COVID for me actually like saved my marriage in a lot of ways where it kind of broke a lot of people's marriages, unfortunately. You know, we came out of it and because of it actually, you know, worked more on ourselves and on our relationship and if, if COVID wouldn't happen, I don't know that, you know, there's a mm. chance we might not have been together <laughs> um, in a couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, I think there was some obvious tragedy that happened from from that time period. But there is also, you know, some some good things as well. I can relate to that. Yeah. COVID was good because between COVID and my kids and all the other things like going on, like we just I realized there was like, like such like it was good, but then there was such dysfunction. And then we kind of like, was like, okay, all right, let's, let's figure this out. So actually, in addition to my personal counselor, I have like a reoccurring every six week appointment for marriage. And we spent an hour and a half and our marriage counselor is actually in Austin, even though we're in Orlando and she's like amazing. So, but we've learned so many really cool things and and some of the stuff that they use in like the military, She's like trained on to work with people with like PTSD, but I could communicate so much better with him and then other people. Like I'm just so much more like empathetic and listening. So I building on that skill set. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think yeah, COVID like can be like it was it's a good thing. Like it could be like a wake-up call or like whatever. It's like, okay. And then use the opportunity to to do do things. So I also think there's a trend that within the commercial real estate industry, especially at our conference, we had sessions about some pretty traumatic things and people coming through them and the emphasis on that. I think that there is this movement around vulnerability, which I think is refreshing, frankly. And, you know, even, even from a standpoint of looking from like social media and brands growing your business being real is what you're you as the person whereas opposed to 10 years ago i think like you know you you market with the brand but now it's like you you have to the person is what leads people to the brand i'm finding that that was one of my biggest lessons and what i've learned from crei summit but i think yeah and and if you look at the social media platforms and and why some of these influencers do well it is because it's like they're showing a vulnerability side that people other people can connect to 
and and that's why they do do well in some cases. But yeah, I agree. There, there's a lot more of that in the world and in our industry, which is refreshing. That is interesting. Since you're so involved in social media, I wonder if it's become because of the consumption of social media too, that it would be an impossibility for someone to maintain these poised and polished brands that they used to have back in the day. I mean, you know, there wouldn't be this constant consumption of people and brands like there is now too. I wonder if it's even from an impossibility that this trend has started or or what it is. Yeah. Well, if you even think about it from the standpoint of like, the quality of shooting even, you know, like I did TikTok for work yesterday and I was literally like in my office without makeup, just whatever, you know, <laughs> like, like I feel, you know, if you're like too polished and it looks too, you know, I, there's value to the quality being more genuine in itself yeah. as well. And I've seen your content too. And I love it. Cause you're just like, I'm just, let's just go, let's film. And that's what brings out, I think, the real value is is that vulnerability and you being like a real person uh, that people can connect to, right? Yep. Wow. Well, it's been awesome to connect. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we talk about how people can get a hold of you? This is a fun conversation. Thank you for having me. And uh, I look forward to listening to it it when it's ready. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Marissa Limshako, or my email is marissa at otso.io. And then before we wrap up, do you want to talk a little bit about Otso and what it does? Yeah. So um, Otso, we, we consider ourselves the tenant risk experts in the industry with the ability, literally what we, our foundational product is an insurance, a bond insurance. That's an alternative to traditional cash deposits and letters of credit. And what we really help owners, and we actually, these were the same challenges we faced as owners ourselves and why we built this this, uh, solution, is we're able to help owners, number one, underwrite, automate underwriting, which is great, and make make that process faster for potential tenants. And number two, they're able to capture more protection than they typically would collect in cash and letters of credit. And so the value, but the value to the tenant there is, is because we have a bond, they're not required to lock up that capital. So yeah. that, and that's why they, that's why that we're, you know, 93% of tenants like will use us in every deal. So yeah, we're, we're national and we cover every asset class that's just non-residential. And so if anyone out there has a, a challenges or friction around the security deposit or just looking to gain more protection across their portfolio, we're, we're here for you. Yes, it is an amazing, amazing tool. I just wish it had been around sooner. Well, great. Well, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Be sure to like, subscribe, share, download all the different things so that we can continue to get the word out. And I'll see you on our next episode.